This week on The Outlaw Lawyer, Joe and I discuss the Arbery verdict, the Maxwell trials just started, and will Roe v. Wade be overturned? And now, Outlaw Lawyer. The Outlaw Lawyer's on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer are your hosts. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm is where you can find them. Managing partners there. 46 combined years experience between these two and offices. Well, everywhere, Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. And each and every week, we get into legal topics. Uh, it is a, uh, well, it's, it's it can be an intense discussion. It can be um, a fun discussion. We get off on some some topics, some, some tangents that's a lot of fun. But we want to remind you, too, that we understand that there are a lot of legal situations that you might be facing. If you have questions, you can certainly get in touch with Whitaker and Hamer, 800. 800-659-1186, 800 Just leave your name, contact information, a little bit about what you're going through, and an attorney will be back in touch with you. If you got a question you'd like to have answered on the program, future program, just email it to us, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. We welcome in the guys, Josh and Joe. Guys, how was your week? Morgan, it was a good week. It was a good, uh, good Thanksgiving week. Uh, I have no complaints. Joseph, how was your Thanksgiving? Hey, Josh, uh, my Thanksgiving was fantastic. Uh, very nice break, very well-needed break. Ate oh, yeah. a lot of food, watched a lot of sports, did a lot of sitting. It was great, man. <laughs> Joe, are you worried about the uh, the new variant? As, as much as you've had COVID, is that Omicron variant, is that scaring you? It, it's not It's not really scaring me. You know, I've... I've I used to do a lot of COVID research and I was real into keeping up on the cutting edge of all the COVID news and what was going on. And, and then I got COVID and I feel like I'm still in that window where I'm, I'm okay right now where I'm probably, I've got some built in immunity, you know? So I think I got at least like 30 more days before I got to get back into really being concerned. (laughs) But uh, now you all indications, Joe, you've had it twice, correct? I've had it a couple it, it, speculatively. I, I've, yeah. only, I've had a confirmed case once. The whole family had it back uh, a couple of Octobers ago, um, and we were in close quarters. And it, it, it's hard to say, man. It's a gotcha. weird. It's a weird disease. But uh, from from what I can tell, with this new variant, very mild symptoms to, thus far. It s- seems to be the case. And again, things can change, and there's so little we understand. Uh, I think. The assumption has to be that it's a, it is everywhere probably now. Um, you know, I know there's been some travel being stopped, but I, I'm assuming that it's 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 everywhere, and uh, I think it is super transmissible. But it seems like milder symptoms is what the early word is. So hopefully that will be the case. It'd be nice, man, if it was super duper mild, and then everybody could just get it, and it would be super duper mild, and maybe we'd get to some level of of herd immunity because of that. Yeah, that's that's got to be around the corner. I, that's what I keep resting on, you know. Like it's at some point here, like we're all gonna have had it, you know. And but anyway, I don't know. But um, I was gonna tell you guys. So my Thanksgiving was fine, pretty normal, average Thanksgiving. Nothing, no, no crazy high or low on Thanksgiving. But the Friday after, that was the Carolina State game, and as you guys know, that was a that was a beautiful game. Which everything game? went Which right. Which game? Which game? Carolina State. Oh. Did you see that one? <laughs> yes, I saw I it. Called the, I Everyone caught the last saw few it. Minutes of it. I just caught the last uh, three or so minutes of it, and um, kept waiting for for state to state it up. And uh, thank God they didn't, man. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to see happen. 
couldn't happen Wait. to a, a better group. <laughs> the uh, we, you know, this is we got our season tickets back uh, this mm. year, and so we've been been every game, and they didn't lose a game at home, right? So every game we saw was a win. It was a really you got you guys had season. a great you got a great year, great year. yeah yeah. Uh, no no complaints. You know, the Wake Forest loss hurt us, and and Mississippi State, but the the kids is a great group of kids. Uh, they they played their butts off, but yeah, I was gonna tell you guys that State Carolina game we were there, right? Sold out, great atmosphere. People stood like there was no sitting down. Like everybody. Even the old people like us, we stood the whole game like we were students, mm-hmm. and it was it was great. But you know, there the two minutes to go, State was down what ten points. ESPN had given Carolina a ninety nine point ninety nine percent chance to to win. I was uh, courageously the the DD for our group, so I had left the stadium to our parking spot to get the truck ready, warm it up. It was very cold. It was warming everybody's seats. I started hearing the crowd go nuts because you know we scored. I was like, oh, well, you know, we're still out of it. And then I heard them cheer and figured out it was the onside kick. And so I had to make my way back into the stadium, which they didn't want to let me in. Mm. Uh, the crew there, I guess they don't, you know, after halftime, you can't leave and come yeah, they, back. They, they frown upon that, but apparently you are a good negotiator. I tell you what, I had to use all my lawyer negotiation skills uh, to get back in and finally convinced them uh, to let me back in and got to see our final touchdown and then us hold the Tar Heels. But it was pandemonium. That was one of the most exciting games I think I've I've seen at state state football. Anyway, I'm proud of you for getting back in. And uh, you know, I not a state. I guess I'm more of a state fan than I am of a lot of yeah. teams, but but not a huge state yeah. fan. But I love that was a super enjoyable game to watch. And then you know, as a Duke basketball fan, transition into later in the night, you had Duke and Gonzaga playing in, in Vegas. Very big game. Um, was not overly optimistic for Duke's chances, and, and they pulled that game out. And uh, a very good night of sports for me in general with the Duke win, coupled with the Carolina loss. Um, also got to take the kids to the uh, the old Polar Express train. Just a chock-full type of day, man. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of action. Yeah, not a lot of action on the Polar Express train necessarily, <laughs> but uh, it was a lot. It was a lot to do. Very cold, like you said, very cold. How was train the train was, was behind? I was gonna say, how was the hot chocolate, the hot cocoa? How was that? I'll tell you, that was the highlight. They had cookies as well. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, a lot of love to the folks putting on the Polar Express at the uh, the North Carolina Transportation Museum, but cookies were a little hard. I'm not gonna lie, a little bit hard. Um, I ate several. I, you know, I. When my kids are eating them, I'm always watching them. Like, you done with that? So I got a few extra that way. But um, I tell you, the hot cocoa was very much on point, and uh, we've got beautiful commemorative mugs, and um, that it, I can't complain, man. All in all, very nice day, uh, and it's just a nice break in general. Where'd you, hey Joe, where'd you say that was at? That was in Spencer, North Carolina. It's like I don't know where that is. Two two hour fifteen minute drive. Oh wow, it's a long drive. It was a pretty long drive, and then you know we we did the train, and then it was running behind. So we, we and there's nowhere to go. You're just outside, so we're outside wandering around. And we got the the very young child that doesn't, uh, you know, about one and a half years old, just kind of wandering, being frozen, not wanting to be held, kind of screaming. Um, I'm making it sound worse than it was. Fantastic. Yeah, it sounds time. terrible. Man. At the end of the day, no, we, we finally, when we got on the train, man, it's warm. You get to eat the cookies and the, the cocoa and you sing and there's entertainment. So uh, your kids are probably not the right age for it, Josh. But um, good if you have another one, for some reason, take it to the Polar <laughs> Express. Hey, I was going to ask you guys, too. I saw uh, my kids were showing me like a YouTube video. 
where a bunch of, I guess they're celebrities. I don't know who they are. They're too young for me, but I guess some celebrities of some sort were kind of going and telling like, Hey, this was the best Christmas present I, I ever got. And it was actually a little fun to watch. So I was going to ask you guys, we're, we're a little bit older generation than, than the folks, my kids, uh, kind of look up to, um, that were on this video, but I was going to ask you and Morgan, what was the best Christmas present you ever got as a kid? All right. I'll go first, uh, since it's not going to be digital of any kind. But I remember uh, back uh, when I was probably, you know, six or seven, I got the complete set of the Johnny West action figures from Mark's Toys. I was uh, I was telling I was telling Josh in uh, show prep right before we uh, uh, taped this show that I went online and just looked on eBay and that full set now, I think I think it was twenty five dollars total Um when and these are large, like you know, almost you know, ten inch tall action figures with horses and all the gear, and it was four action figures, four horses, all the gear. So you could you know you could have different setups and uh, and if you if you ever played Army or anything like that, but it was Cowboys and Indians. But uh, it was Johnny West, uh, Custer, Geronimo, and then a, a fourth that I can't quite remember uh, the name. But I mean, it was like twenty five bucks for that set back then, and now on eBay it's about eight hundred dollars. But, oh yeah, um, easy. Yeah. I'm but sure, I mean, yeah. you spent hours uh, with those action figures when when I was a kid. So that that would be my favorite. Man, what I had good. Do? I had really good Christmases, and uh, so it's hard to isolate one. You know, Christmas is, is a great time of year. Uh, my parents always made it very special. But uh, I'd say the most memorable, uh, the most memorable Christmas gift I ever got was it would have been around 1996. So I would have been about 10 at the time, and. Uh, Nintendo 64. That was around the time the Nintendo uh, 64 came out. And I remember, I vividly remember waking up and, and hearing like noises coming from the living room. My dad was in there just playing it, <laughs> <laughs> having, having the time of his life. And so, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the one that really sticks out as far as, I mean, that was what you couldn't get them at the time. I remember it was very too difficult to get. I'd wanted one for a long time. I had a friend that had it. I'd go over to his house and he'd let me play it like a little bit. And uh, I was real geeked up when, when I got that. You know, yeah, I was thinking about that because my, my best gift was was sixth grade. I, it was a regular Nintendo. I, I did not think I was going to get one. It was my wildest dreams. I would have got a Nintendo that year, and I got one, and it was it was the best. Like, I really think that was the peak. Like, no one will get me. For the rest of my life, I'll never get a present that compares with how much I wanted and didn't expect a, a regular 8-bit uh, original Nintendo back in you, sixth grade. you know there's a there's a new Christmas movie out that literally that's the that's the premise I, of it. I started watching that. It's on HBO Max, yeah. and I started watching yeah. it. I, I couldn't hang in there though, man. About it's got Neil Patrick in. Harris, one of your all time favorite actors. <laughs> but you know what this made me think of? What, what was up with that kid? Like so, so it was Christmas. You got a Nintendo sixty four, right? I got a Nintendo. Like what was up with that kid that just got a Nintendo when they came out? It wasn't a birthday. It wasn't Christmas. It was just like their parents just got him a Nintendo for no reason. And they just had it like, what was up with that kid? Cause that was in the I movie. think that it's kid's just... in jail now. I think that kid, uh, <laughs> I think that kid's gone down the wrong path. And, uh, I hate that kid. I hated him at I like... the time. I, I'm not, I'm not even actually the kid that I'm referring to super nice guy. I think he's actually really successful. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm with you, man. I didn't, I, what's up with that kid. You got yeah, a great point, yeah. Josh. I think, I think someone in charge, someone in, you know, like I think someone needs to look like, how does that, how does that happen? Because that blew my mind as a kid. Like, you just got a Nintendo? Like, it's not, you know, but anyway. Well, today, 
we do have some legal topics to talk about. Um, we've, we've talked about some of these before, so we've touched on these, but since our last show, uh, the Arbery uh, verdict came down in a, in a very highly uh, covered case, and we want to talk about that judgment. Um, uh, the Giselle Maxwell trial uh, actually starts today on our recording day, but we want to touch on that again. It got some coverage. I guess it started yesterday. So it's uh, we got a day or two of, of trial to kind of look at and then today, the day of recording uh, for us, the Supreme Court's going to finally hear the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, the abortion case, that is getting a lot of coverage. So we want to kind of take a look at that. And then I want to reveal the next pod in our movie, our legal movie tournament challenge. So a lot to hit today. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, they're the managing partners there. 46 combined years of experience between these two. And again, offices, Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. And they are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. If you have a legal question of your own and you need some answers, give the firm a call. 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your name. Uh, a brief message and contact information and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch with you. If you've got a question you'd like answered on a future program, email it to us, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And you can always check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back after this. Again to the Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. They are the managing partners there. And again, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. And each and every week we get into legal topics. We have a little fun along the way, but a lot of this gets very, very serious. And if you're in a situation where you need some legal advice, you can always call the firm, 800 659 1186. That's 800 659 1186. You can also email your questions to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll use them and try to answer them for you on a future show. And always, uh, when you got any questions at all, just go to the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. All right, guys. Well, we've kind of been stirring the pot on a number of these, uh, uh, these trials that are going on. I know you guys want to catch everybody up. Yeah, Morgan. And before we jump into that, I want to remind everybody, you do a good job keeping everybody reminded of this. But me and Joe, we are practicing attorneys in the state of North Carolina. We are only licensed in the state of North Carolina. A lot of the things we talk about are happening outside of, of North Carolina. So we really are uh, just on the sidelines and just kind of, you know, some of the things that we've learned in our practice, you know, and, and how to look at legal uh, cases, how to evaluate the facts, uh, things we know about jury trials. We kind of try to bring that to the table when we discuss it to hopefully give a somewhat unique perspective, uh, one that you might not be able to get, you know, on CNN or Fox News or the AP or the BBC. So trying to bring that that to the table when we we discuss these things. But it, like like Morgan said, if you do have a legal issue, if you have something you want the firm, the law firm of Whitaker and Hamer to, to look at, do give us a call, do shoot us an email. That is how we make our living. We don't make our living off uh, our time here with Morgan, but I always want to reinforce that. But one one trial that we have talked about once or twice, uh, it was going, I think our last time in the recording studio, Morgan, we were waiting for the jury to come back with a verdict. And so now we have our verdict. That jury did come and, uh, and, and, and find the defendants guilty. But Joe, remind us what was going on in this one. Yeah, so you you've got the you got the the Arbery case where you you basically had three individuals um, 
you know, we talked about these facts, so we won't get into the the the, de- the details too heavily. But basically, you had uh, a gentleman, uh, Ahmad Arbery. He was he was going for a run, basically through uh, an area, and he was spotted by these individuals. And there had been some burglaries in the area, apparently. And so these guys basically they got weapons and essentially followed him, cornered him, uh, stopped him, confronted him. And there was an altercation and ultimately they, you know, Arbery was, was shot and killed. Um, and so again, there's a lot more nuance to it than that. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about it extensively a couple of times now, and we discussed that our prediction that, you know, all of these individuals would be and should be convicted. Uh, and, and that was what happened. You know, our, our 100% prediction rate on calling things like this is, is still intact. Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff going on with this one. I thought it was a good complimentary. I don't I didn't see anybody nationally kind of pick up on this that I saw, but I thought it was a good compliment to the Rittenhouse trial, which we of course spent a lot of time talking about. But this this self-defense, you know, Rittenhouse uh had claimed self-defense, was charged with with murder. Everybody knows how that ended up. And I think we talked about it at the time. There's a lot of discussion and opinions on whether Mr. Rittenhouse should have been where he was with the weapon that he had. There's an argument that he was asking for it. The other side is he 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 was asked to be there and he was helping to protect uh, life and property. And and in either opinion, I can be swayed on. There there's a lot to discuss there. But I think what you know in that trial, it wasn't illegal for him to be there. He wasn't doing anything illegal. And in the end, he wasn't. The jury in that trial said, "Hey, you're you know he wasn't the aggressor. He could in fact claim self defense, and he ended up being found not guilty." And in this trial, we've got our, our defendants who are also claiming uh, kind of self-defense. They've been charged with the murder of Mr. Arbery, and their claim was, you know, it was a citizen's arrest under a law uh, that was standing in Georgia, and it turned, and then they were no longer, you know, they weren't the aggressors. They they killed him in self-defense, and, and we didn't buy that here on the show, and the jury didn't buy that either. Um, you can't be the aggressor murder results and then you you claim self-defense and so this was kind of i kind of look at this as the opposite of the rittenhouse trial because this is a a clear case where the people who started the incident uh committed the crime and and self-defense was not should not have been available to them and the jury spent a couple of days asked some good questions came i mean this was a good i think in both of these trials rittenhouse and arbery then they complement each other well good juries I think the judges did a decent job. They got instructed well, and and uh, they both got to the right verdict. I completely agree, and I think that uh, people should feel pretty good about both results in light of the evidence that was presented. Like you said, Josh, it's all about who was the aggressor in these situations. And, you know, Rittenhouse, you can make arguments about, you know, why is he there with a weapon? But if you look at the evidence, it's clear, you know, he wasn't actively pursuing anybody with this weapon you know the evidence actually showed that he was chased he was pursued um he 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 actually brandished his his weapon several times at people and didn't pull the trigger because you know that that all speaks to the fact that he wasn't out there aggressively trying to kill anybody he was he was simply trying to defend himself and um you know the fact that he was there like you said josh not doing it not breaking any laws not doing anything illegal and there's nothing to indicate that he actively pursued anybody and 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 was the aggressor in any any manner uh whereas in this in the arbory trial you've got the exact opposite situation where these individuals literally got in a vehicle and pursued 
Mr. Arbery. Uh, again, stopped him, cornered him, brandished weapons at him. You know, they they testified that he never uh, brandished a weapon at them. He never threatened them. And um, I think it, it couldn't be more crystal clear that this was the absolute right result and everybody should feel really good about it. Yeah, Mr. Arbery should not be deceased. He he should be alive. His loss of life is a is a tragedy, and, and the ones that are responsible are behind bars. I know, um, and we won't have time to get into it here. Uh, but those defendants in the Arbery trial who have have been sentenced, I don't, I didn't see what they got. I'm assuming it's life and, or a couple of life sentences, depending on how it was charged. But um, they've got some federal, you know, there's some federal hate crime laws and then so they're they're also going to be tried in federal court and i don't remember february or or march but that always brings up an interesting you know double jeopardy question which we don't have to delve too deeply here but they have been found guilty uh, of murder just justifiably i mean they they're guilty um and so they've got life sentences and now they're going to go on these these federal charges uh that have a similar punishment associated with them but they've already been found guilty of the underlying murder that's going to uh, be the basis of, of the federal charges. So you'll, I think, I think since this case was so highly followed by the, by the media, I think you're going to see some discussion on, on double jeopardy on these state charges and federal charges. It's not double jeopardy, but this always uh, starts a pretty interesting conversation. Yeah. And, and speaking of interesting conversations, another kind of interesting nuance that's developed from this, um, and this is is very recently coming out, but actually, it looks like the uh, the, the you know the prosecutor, the original prosecutor in this case, uh, was actually indicted, uh, and this kind of highlights some some aspects that you don't you don't like to see, but unfortunately, I think it's it's more common than we would like to admit, and that's just prosecutorial misconduct, where you've got you know prosecutors potentially. Uh, doing things that are unethical, uh, pulling strings behind the scenes, things like that. And, and this prosecutor's actually been indicted on multiple charges that are all related to allegations about her actions when she was the initial prosecutor that was presented with this crime and essentially tried to do a lot of things to, to protect the defendants that she knew and had personal relationships with. Um, and that's something you don't see a lot. It's, it's pretty rare to see a grand jury indict a prosecutor for any kind of misuse of authority, but, but that's something that everybody, you know, should, should be alarmed by and you should want to see in those cases. So it's an unfortunate reality. I think that we, that probably takes place more often than, than we'd like to admit and it's just interesting to see it being dealt with here. The outlaw lawyers, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, again, practicing attorneys here in the state of North Carolina and managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro and Fuquay Verena, as well as Gastonia now. And if you've got a legal question of your own and it is perplexing you, uh, you can get some answers. You can call 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your name, contact information a little bit about what you have a question about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm will be back in touch with you. You can also email a question to the show. We'll use it on a future program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com, and you can always go to the website, theoutlawlawyer.com, get more information there. Guys, I know it's going to be a busy day today. We've got the Maxwell trial you guys are going to get into next. 
Yeah, yeah, we got a couple things just starting this week. So the Maxwell trial is, is underway. We want to look at some of the evidence that's come out, and then our Supreme Court is going to spend some time on this on the abortion issue. So that's getting a lot of coverage. All right, folks, that's coming up next. You're listening to The Outlaw Lawyers. The Outlaw Liars on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm is where you can find them during the week. The managing partners there. 46 combined years experience between these two. And they have offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. And a reminder, they are practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. We get into legal topics each and every week. You may have questions of your own. You can always get in touch with the firm. 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. 86, leave your name and contact information, a little bit about what you have questions about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be back in touch with you shortly. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com is the best way to get questions to the program. We'll use those in upcoming episodes, and please go visit the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Guys, I know you've got a couple of cases you want to get into, and I give you the floor. Morgan, so two two big cases uh, have kind of gotten underway uh, this week, and, and they're going to have big ramifications, uh, one more important than the other. The first one I wanted to look at was uh, the criminal, the federal criminal trial of uh, Jelaine Maxwell. Um, and, and Joe, we've spent some time on, on this one. Um, I've been more, I think I told you last week, I've been more interested in the way the media is covering it. Um, you know, we talked about some conspiracy theories out there that this wouldn't get a lot of coverage because of some of the big name folks who, who are going to be uh, pointed out um, and kind of get some negative attention in this thing. And so there's this conspiracy theory that the uh, major media outlets won't cover it quite the same fashion that we've seen other things. And we pointed out uh, last week that it's a federal trial, so that's different. So cameras aren't allowed, so it can't be, you can't get it streamed. Uh, you won't be seeing any live action uh, shots of it. You'll see those painted uh, stills because this is this is federal court. And um, so, but anyway, I kind of looked yesterday. Um, I think yesterday, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I think yesterday was the first day of, of the trial. Is that right? My days are Yeah, I, I think it was the 29th actually was, okay. was the start. And so it's it's appeared it's it's definitely not front and center. You know, the, the variant, the Corona variant seems to be getting most of the coverage. And of course the market, not had a good couple of days. That seems to be the the big topics that are getting. I think we had a school shooting uh, here recently too in, in Michigan. So that seems to be the top headlines. But you, you have to look for it. Uh, the major, I, I still see AP's doing a good job. The BBC, because Prince Andrew, uh, his name is involved. The BBC is covering it, but they really only care about uh, Prince Andrew, it, it seems like. But uh, like the New York, you know, uh, non-traditional outlets that don't have a lot of um, maybe mainstream credibility. So like the New York post isn't known for its uh, journalism integrity, but they seem to be really covering it. But, but again, it's not getting as much coverage as I, as I thought it would. Yeah. And it's a, it is a little strange and we try not to veer into conspiracy territory, but uh, far less coverage than, than you would think for something that is this, this is really this terrible and this shocking and that encompasses potentially encompasses at least allegedly so many public figures and, and people of note in society. And I think, I think you said part of the reason uh, that you don't see as much of it is the fact, like you said, it's, it is a federal case. So you don't have, 
you don't have the same level of access to the courtroom. So it's kind of hard to to have the same intrigue that you would have if everyone could kind of actively follow along in real time with every single thing that's happening. You got to have the stills. You got to have the, the secondhand account. So I think that that probably does play somewhat of a factor. But I'm with you, Josh. You'd still expect to hear a lot more about it than, than what we've heard thus far. Yeah, I think if you're not if you're not a practicing attorney, if you if you as an attorney have not spent time in federal court and state court, I, I don't think that I would have ever before before that. I don't think I would have ever really understood all the big big differences between uh, you know a, a criminal trial in state court and a criminal trial in federal court. But they are very different animals. They're you know the judges are treat it very different. You've got similar but different evidence uh, you know evidentiary rules. Um, just a lot of big differences. And, and in that accessibility, I really think that is, you know, one of the big reasons you see, like you said, Joe, that if you're not, it's not streaming live, it's hard to give it the same coverage as if you just have, you know, one correspondent sitting in the trial, just taking notes and painting pictures, you know, it's just a different level, but still, I feel like we should be hearing a little bit more about it. There was a couple, I saw all the main news outlets had a little bit of coverage because the I guess the, one of the their pilots that would fly to the to the island kind of name dropped people that he had seen on the plane. Of course, he didn't see any. He didn't testify. I don't think to any wrongdoing. Just the people that were on this plane going to Mr. Epstein's island. Uh, but he threw out I think what Clinton and Trump and Prince Andrew and I think there were a couple other big names that were on their way over there. So I still think this one's going to drop some bombshells. Yeah, it's it's if you look at the names involved and and just the you know and you can you can argue that some of these names are uncorroborated, but then you've literally got tons of images and pictures out there with these people uh, definitely associating with Epstein. And again, that could be you know him walking up at, at some event and just getting a picture with him. We're not saying everybody knew what was going on with this individual, um, but really really harrowing accounts from these these young women that are, are given their accounts of what happened to them and the, and the things that took place um just just shocking and and and, and super upsetting and um you know i i think that from from what i can tell again it's hard to make a prediction on this because again we don't have the same level of access to the evidence we're getting these secondhand accounts but uh what do you what do you predict josh I, I don't know. I think it's hard for her. You know, I don't. I don't have any idea how long the trial will take. You know, so I, I'm I'm curious on how long it'll it'll go. I, I know there's a lot of people that are going to be called to the stand, and it's kind of an unusual. Um, it's kind of a little bit of an unusual case uh, to have to prove, but I, I can't imagine she walks. Like I I I, I imagine she's going to be found guilty. I think we're probably going to have like another week and a half of of trial before it goes to the the jury, but I can't imagine she walks away. Yeah, I, I can't either. Um, I, I have to agree with you on that. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much, how much more we hear about it, what else comes out and what kind of coverage that it gets and, and whether it just kind of fades into obscurity once, once the verdict is released or whether, you know, there's something that, that unravels further from this. Well, we'll keep watching this one. This one's got a ways to go, so we'll keep our eye on it. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But the the big one, and we've talked about this next uh, case that's coming before the Supreme Court. This is Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. A lot, a lot of times you won't even hear the name of the case, but uh, this is the one that has the Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, 
uh, has a statute that basically prohibits abortions after week 15, after the first trimester, um, in contradiction, direct contradiction to, to, you know, the rules that have been laid out under uh, Roe v. Wade. And so this is the, you know, the, the media has been talking about this one for a while, uh, got kind of a more conservative leaning uh, set of uh, Supreme Court justices. This is going to be the first real test of, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade. And a lot of people are worried about this one. A lot of people are super excited about it. You know, I think me and Joe talked about this. You're either on one side or the other. And the Supreme Court's kind of in a bad spot because whatever they decide, I don't know, half the country will be really mad. Half the country will be really happy. So, you know, it's kind of a no-win situation for them. But I think people are really concerned that, you know, Roe v. Wade's been precedent for however long, since the 70s. And um, this is the first time where people are really worried there could be some big changes to it. Yeah, and I'm with you. You know, some people are going to be – that's the thing about people. You know, people are going to be upset. One one side one side of the aisle is going to be upset uh, no matter what, or both sides potentially, depending on what happens. Um, I, I don't know that we're going to see any kind of super sweeping, gigantic, earth-shattering change here. But but like you said, you know, it's hard to predict. You, you never know. It will be extremely interesting to see where this goes and to what extent – you know, things are, whether things change or, or how it's decided. I think that's really, you know, that's the really interesting thing. If you follow the Supreme Court and you know the history of the Supreme Court, you know, it's very politicized how a justice uh, gets to the Supreme Court now. You know, they, they get nominated by a president, you know, and a Republican president's not usually going to nominate a, you know, a liberal Democratic justice. They have to get confirmed. Uh, I know Justice Kavanaugh's uh, confirmation was a hotly followed uh, uh, story, as was um, uh, Justice Barrett. But I hate it as politicized because I really feel like if you if you if you pay attention, these justices they come in and obviously they have their their beliefs, their religious beliefs, their feelings, their political leanings. But I really think on this level, these justices you can see they take it very seriously. They're not you know. Um, they try not, I think, to insert them, their political beliefs directly into uh, these cases. So on the justice, I'm sure you have, you can kind of probably name them, but you've got certain justices that I'm sure firmly believe that abortion is a, is a constitutional right that you can't really trifle with and you can't limit very easily. And I'm sure you've got your justices who think Roe v. Wade. I think Clarence Thomas has been very vocal, so Justice Thomas thinks that was bad law. Um, and I think he talks about it whenever he, you know, speaks to the matter that he thinks that's a bad law. He doesn't really think abortion should be recognized as a constitutional right. And he's the most senior member um, of the court. And so anyway, I, I'm with you, Joe. I don't think they're going to uphold this this Mississippi law. So I think they're going to strike it down. And I think it'll be status quo. You know, we still the the Supreme Court has not ruled on the Texas law that we talked about, you know, the Texas abortion law that they've heard arguments on. We don't have a ruling yet on that. So that, you know, all this together has really got folks nervous, but I think the court generally respects precedent and I don't anticipate anything crazy happening, but you never, I guess you never know. Yeah. You never know, Josh. You know, we're, we're talking a lot about, you know, the Supreme court and judging and judging things. And it's a very good segue into our, all-time greatest legal movie tournament in which we will be judging several of the greatest legal films of all time. 
I tell you, I, I, I'm excited about this. Uh, we'll preview it just a little bit. We'll get into it in the next segment of the program. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts. Again, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Offices Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. The ever-expanding Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. If you've got your own legal questions, you've been uh, listening to this show, and, and, and you've heard the guys go over these different cases, I mean, we're here to inform, educate, and we're trying to entertain, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of that, uh, all these different topics. And some of them are very, very serious. Some are not. Uh, but we do have these discussions for you each and every week here on The Outlaw Lawyers. If you've got your own questions, here's the number to call, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your name, contact information, briefly what you've got a question about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be back in touch with you. If you've got a question you'd like answered on the air, well, email it to us, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll use it in an upcoming show. So guys, uh, are we going to do movie tournament and then the question uh, from one of our listeners, or how are you going to do that? Yeah, Morgan, I think we're going to jump right into uh, into the movie tournament, unveil okay. our comedy bracket, and spend some time there. I mean, there, there's some deep discussion going on already behind the scenes on the comedy bracket, uh, and I look forward to it. It's coming up on the other side. Again, you're listening to The Outlaw Liars, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. I'm Morgan Patrick, Consumer Advocate. We're going to be back right after this. Outlaw Lawyers are back. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your host. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firms, where you can find them during the week. The managing partners there, 46 combined years experience between these two. And again, offices, Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. And they are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. So we've gotten into some serious subjects today. And now we're going to go not so serious, but a lot of fun. Uh, Josh, uh, you came up with this idea to do a uh, kind of a sweet 16 of legal movies. Where do we stand? All right, so just to review, this that is what we're doing. This is a, uh, a sweet 16 of the top. What we're trying to find is the top movie involving a trial, involving the law. We've been calling them legal movies, but uh, the best legal movie of all time. And so we, we're going to have 16, we'll call them teams, we're going to have 16 movies. Um, and we revealed, last week we revealed our first pod. So we had what I call the black and white pod. And so just by way of review, uh, the black and white pod included four movies. So it was To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, 12 Angry Men, Miracle on 34th Street, and Inherit the Wind. And All just right, for so our listeners, Josh, is that one through four seated? So To Kill a Mockingbird would be the overall number one? I think so. I, I'm going to go back and revisit Seeds once we have all the movies uh, okay. revealed. Okay. Uh, I think To Kill a Mockingbird, I think that has to be our number one overall seed, just my personal opinion. Um uh, but, but yeah, so I think for the pod, that's the seating. So I think we can say for that pod, that's, you know, kind of one through four, but okay. we'll do an overall seating once I haven't told Morgan and Joe all the, the movies yet. So once we have all the movies out there, we'll seat them up, we'll do a bracket. And then I was going to have our listeners vote. So we'll put it out on social media and, uh, the webpage and we'll, we'll kind of vote on these. We'll, it'll, hopefully it'll be fun. We talk about so much serious, uh, stuff on the show. I thought this would be uh, I thought we could have a lot of fun with it. Okay. Listen, Josh, I don't want you to downplay the seriousness of all time <laughs> classic films like Inherit the Wind. 
and I, and this is a reminder to our listeners. And I have seen very little movies. I, I get real bored. We talked about that earlier today on the, the new eight bit movie. It takes a lot for me to get through a movie because I just get bored and do something else. So I'm actually having to watch. I don't know when I'm going to find the time, but I'm going to have to watch Inherit the Wind because I, I don't believe any of us have seen Inherit the Wind. Uh, that, that would be correct I, on this side. Yes. Are we sure it's a real movie? <laughs> I think so. I think it is. I think you. I think you're legally required to watch at least one third of all these movies, Josh. Uh, well, I think. I think so. I think we all need to, Joseph. I think you've seen several of our uh, in reviewing the notes. I'm going to guess that you've seen every single one of the ones that we're going to discuss in our upcoming comedy bracket. That's right. Well, I, I, we'll talk about that. Not, not. I haven't seen them all. Spoiler alert. That's four of the seven movies that you've seen all the way through <laughs> in your life. I, 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 unfair, you know, I've seen To Kill a Mockingbird like 99 times. So that's really, that really is unfair. You but. could have replaced 98 of those viewings with 98 of the movies <laughs> and your life would be the better for it, honestly. All right. So we got it. We got our black and white pod, which we've discussed. So today we were going to unveil um, our comedy brackets. So these are four legal movies, definitely comedies. The last one was a struggle. We'll talk about it. But I think the clear number one in this bracket, I guess, well, I guess there's some argument here, but I got my cousin Vinny uh, as the number one coming out of uh, the comedy bracket. Uh, that's a solid, solid pick. I think it's a solid pick. I, and I, I'm going to have to, I think it is, I, I'm thinking it's the number one too. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to agree with you and we can, we can seed that number one. It's got the strongest strength of schedule of, uh, <laughs> we, of these films. I have seen that movie from beginning to end more than once. That's uh, that says a lot for that one. And I believe Marissa Torme won. Uh, was it uh, best actress or best supporting actress uh, for her role uh, as the girlfriend to uh, Joe Pesci? Uh, obviously, Vinny. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a very entertaining movie. You know, uh, side note, Marissa Torme, my. Um, secret uh crush on marissa tomei goes back to my a different world days when she was on the first season of a different world but you know what her best performance was it wasn't my cousin Vinny. you know what her best performance was oh, I'm, I'm i'm bated breath i can't i can't wait for this uh, did you ever see the wrestler that was a good movie not a legal movie that's a good movie yeah it was a, it was a good nah. movie so that's that's what you're that's you're saying that's her best performance i think that's her best role i think she did a good job there what not? Any- what, not wild hogs. <laughs> <laughs> wild hogs is an all-time classic. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so bad. So, so just to 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 back up your claim there, Josh, uh, Marissa Tomei, she was she was nominated and she won uh, best supporting actress for my cousin Vinny. Also nominated and won for. The wrestler as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she is several awards, several, several awards. She didn't win the Academy Award. She was nominated, but she won the Central Ohio Film Critics Association Award. Oh, well, um, that's that's probably real big in Ohio. The online well, at least the film Central Critics part, Society. Yeah. yeah, the Central part of Ohio. Some some of the best film critics that there are are from that Central Ohio area. <laughs> so my my cousin Vinny, strong, strong yes. performances. Super that was. Strong. uh that was Fred Gwynn, you know, if you're a big Monsters oh, fan. Oh, Fred Gwynn's last last anything, I think. Whew, great set of pipes. Um, but anyway, so My Cousin Vinny, I think we can all agree, very strong movie. But there's a lot of folks. The next one I got here is uh, it's very popular. A lot of people like The Legally Blonde. A, a fine film. 
um, a, a fine film. I, I, I think a, a strong second seed. Um, yeah. But but it's not my cousin Vinny, Josh. I have not seen Legally Blonde all the way through. And I have seen all the parts of it in different orders from when my wife that watches counts. it. And that I, counts, man. That counts. And I walk in, and it, it's got some funny parts. Oh, I, again, on, I don't think it's a cousin Vinny. But. Come on, guys. I mean, you, we've we've all been in a bar, and we wanted to get the attention of a, a female back in the day when we when we weren't married and weren't attached, and uh, we've done the bend and snap. Come on, we've done that. The bend right? and snap. Yeah, the, the, the bend and snap. A classic. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a a film that was very very popular in popular culture. Um, speaking of awards, Reese Witherspoon d- did win the MTV Movie Award for both best line and best dress and best comedic performance. So really racking up the awards for the film Legally Blonde for Reese Witherspoon. Do you have that in front of you? What was the best line? Uh, let's see. I've got, I do have, let's see if I can pull up the best line from the MTV movie awards. Good Lord. There's a lot of awards, <laughs> a lot of awards, the best, the best line. All right. I'm going to do my best to, to deliver it. It was, Oh, I like your outfit too. It, except when I dress up as a frigid word, that's not permitted on our radio show. I try to not look so constipated. Okay. Oh, uh, wow. Man, that line beat out King Kong. Ain't got nothing on me. From Denzel Washington in Training Day. I don't know that I can agree with that. Yeah, that's I, I can't get with that either. That's that's rough. I won't be dropping a quote from Legally Blonde. I'm just going to say that right no, now. No, that's too long of a quote. I, we might, we can drop the bend and snap. That's that is enough <laughs> of a callback to Legally Blonde. Yes. Anyway, it's the number two. It's the number two film. A lot of people seen it. Very popular. Okay. Spawned the sequel Legally Blonde to Red, White, and Blonde. Um, and the Chihuahua and, movies, right? Didn't the Chihuahua get a movie? Did the Chihuahua? I don't know if it's different. Was it? I think the Chihuahua got a movie, but I don't know it was if it was. I don't think it's connected to Legally Blonde. Yeah, yeah, I connected. thought for some reason I thought it was part of the. All right, all right. That could have been any Chihuahua too. To be honest <laughs> with you, you know. All right, the number th- the number three seed, which I think is a surprisingly strong uh, three seed, but uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Liar Liar. You guys remember that one? I right, do. right. His kid puts a little bit of a curse on him. He can't. He can't tell a lie. I always avoided this movie. I, I like. I like Jim Carrey just fine. But I, you know, I always. Want, I can't remember exactly what year this came out. But nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, I always wanted to be an attorney. I wasn't in law school yet, nineteen ninety-seven. But I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like them saying attorneys had to lie. That kind of thing. You know. So I kind of. I kind of put this one on the back burner seen most of it i'm gonna have to watch it again i've seen most of it but i gotta give it a good honest um viewing yeah this is back when jim carrey was like number one at the box office could really do no wrong and uh he was riding the wave and it, 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 i mean it's a, it's a funny movie it's a good movie it is it is a funny movie and it it very firmly falls in the category of a legal film and uh I think when you look at all of the legal comedies, it's it's a fair it's fair to call that a three seed, and I think it's a good pick. All right, so what's number four? So this fourth seed uh, is it, it was a, it's a long shot. So when I started looking at, it, I started considering the movies that we could because I think we talked about a lot of them that like there was some legal aspect, but it was kind of uh, shaky, couldn't really like tangentially related. To yeah, I couldn't really bring those in. So when I got down to the, the actual movies that really did revolve around the trial or something legal, there wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot. And I ended up picking this one. Cause I read a, I haven't seen that. Haven't and we want to state thing. for the record that it was Josh that picked this one. <laughs> it was Josh. I haven't 
I haven't seen this movie, and and I can't I can't strong start to the argument. Very strong start to the argument, Josh. But I read I read a synopsis, and and I'll, I'll share it with you. But the the number four seed in the comedy bracket is going to be a movie you may or may not know exists. Apparently, it was called Jury Duty and starred the comedic genius uh, Pauly Shore. You may remember him. Oh my. Yeah, you've was, seen the movie, Josh. You you need to own it. I think you need to own it. You can't hide from it. And I'm hoping this is available to stream, right? I didn't check. Yeah, I know sometimes it's they available. It was a fairly this this was a time when Polly Shore was was what say, on top of the world. What? But I mean, he he had a, he he was far more popular than he is now. And uh, yeah, Jury Duty, man, you've seen Jury Duty, Josh. You just may not remember it. The Have fact, you seen any Polly Shore movies? The fact that Son, you uttered. Uttered the name Polly Shore. Oh, so the, seen, this is Shamanad. This Shore is Shamanad of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely going to be the 16th seed. I can't imagine. I, I haven't revealed the rest of. We still got two brackets to go. We still got eight movies to to bring into this. But I can't imagine Jury Duty not being the 16th seed. But I will tell you in the synopsis I read. So in our black and white pod, we have Twelve Angry Men. That's one of our movies in our black and white pod. I have not seen Twelve Angry Men. I, I will watch it. But this is apparently is a comedy, but it's loosely based on 12 Angry Men, which I find crazy. I want to apologize to Shamanad for uh, comparing <laughs> them to Polly Shore. But I tell you, the comedy bracket looks pretty good, uh, minus the fourth seed. My Cousin Vinny, Legally Blonde, Liar Liar, and Jury Duty starring uh, the epic Polly Shore. The Outlaw Lawyers, you're listening to Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. They are your hosts and also managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. 46 combined years' experience between these two in offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. If you've got your own legal question, well, we're here for you. Here's the number to call 800 659 1186. That's 800 659 1186. Leave your name, contact information, a little bit about what the call is about and an attorney will be back in touch with you if you want your question well addressed on the air send it to us questions at the again that's questions at the we've got a listener question coming up on the other side and we're excited we'll be right back after this Welcome back to the Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your host. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, 46 combined years experience. Offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. They are the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. And we are at the sprint to the finish. If you got a legal question of your own, make sure you call 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Or you can send your question to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Guys, I know you've got a listener question, so let's get to it hammered out well morgan we get these listener questions and, and a lot of times we'll get multiple questions on kind of the same topic so i try to consolidate them into one uh, question that we can spend some time talking about and so we get a lot of questions on a home homeowners associations in general like what can a homeowners association do how can they find me uh, a lot of hoa questions and so i've consolidated those into kind of the worst case scenario and and it's can a homeowners association foreclose on you so, Joseph, that's the question. That's our listener question. How would you answer that question? 
I'm going to answer that question in the affirmative, Josh, because a homeowners association absolutely can and will foreclose on you. And we have actually seen it happen on more than one occasion where a homeowners association has foreclosed on a homeowner. So every state's a little different. You know, there's some unified, uh, uni uh, uniform plan communities act that a lot of states, including North Carolina have adopted, but state by state, the homeowners association questions can have different answers. So me and Joe being licensed in North Carolina, in North Carolina, an HOA, if it's set up correctly, if it's got all its ducks in a row, um, if they find you, you know, usually the HOA will foreclose because they're fining you for something. You haven't paid your dues. You're getting fined for uh, violating a, a covenant and you're not uh, rectifying that violation. So you can get daily fines, maybe be liable for some HOA attorney's fees. And at some point, that number that you owe the HOA gets to a point where the HOA can foreclose on your home, uh, sell it at public auction, just like your Wells Fargo, just like your lender could, Bank of America, whoever your lender might be, um, and they can sell it uh, to a third party who would then own it subject to anything that was already there, right? So if you've got a first mortgage that you pay every month, that first mortgage is still there, but you don't own the property. You know, the, the HOA, if they do everything right, you'd have plenty of notice. There'd be a lot of times, you'd have a lot of time to consult with an attorney, hire an attorney, try to take care of it. But the last resort for an HOA is they do have the ability to foreclose on on a lien if they've properly filed a lien. So the like Joseph said, the answer is yes, but most HOAs don't want to go that far, right? Most HOAs want just to rectify whatever the, the issue is between the, the two of you. And I think foreclosure, I would, would argue, is, is kind of a last resort. You don't see it a lot, but you do see it. It does happen where people just reach an impasse and I guess the HOA thinks they have no other option and the homeowner doesn't budge. And this is kind of where the two trains meet going full speed. So it, it does happen. We see it a lot. Yeah, and I think the lesson for for our listeners, you know, a lot of people get annoyed with their HOA and, you know, take the approach like, what can these, what can they really do to me? Like, I'm not paying this. There's a lot they can do to you. Um, you know, they are legally empowered to to impose, you know, substantial fines. And we've seen people charged just ridiculous sums of legal fees and collection fees and things like that. And if you know, if it's if it's something that's allowed in the covenants and isn't against statute, these are things that can be done. So, you know, you need to take that seriously. And it's something you really need to be considering when you buy a property. It, you know, what what's your HOA? What are their fees? What does it look like? What's the structure? Because it's 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 something that you may not like, but it is something that by law they are able to do. And you, and you just got to be cognizant of that. Gentlemen, another great show. Fast moving. Looking forward to next week. Want to remind everybody, you're listening to the Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your host. You can find them at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia, where their offices are located. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina and the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. If you got a question, send it to us, 800-659-1186, or you can email questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll see you on the radio next week. Outlaw Lawyer 
is hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on the show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of the show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of the show, contact us directly.